Oh, yeah. It's episode 482, guys. We're midway through September, Graham. Midway through September. One step closer to the 600th and final episode. Tick, 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 tick. Comedy film nerds shutting down December 12th. Yep, with a big blowout show with uh, lots of guests, lots of fans. Human sacrifice. Lots of of fun and, uh, you know, maybe a little reception after. Yeah, we're going to have a little party afterwards. Mm-hmm. December 12th, it's a Dynasty typewriter, so you can go to their website or grandmelwood.com. Because people are tweeting or, uh, or emailing and said, hey, can we hang out after? Can we talk to you? I know you guys will be busy. And that was the reason we actually did it. We wanted to hang out with the fans yeah. and all you guys afterwards. Anyone and any comic, so, anyone who's ever been on the show. That's... It's a six-hour reception. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> no, like, we just want to leave it open. So, it, you know, come by after or whatever and... You know, so so come by, come by and hang out. That's yeah, it's please paid do. Bar, right? Probably, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like you're paying. Oh no way! <laughs> oh, open bar, no, <laughs> no. no. Uh, do they have alcohol there? I think they have like beer and wine, maybe. All right. So uh, enjoy your soft drinks while we uh, hang smuggle out. in a flask. Yeah, I'm yeah, not gonna, and bring I won't, a flask. I will. <laughs> we won't turn you in. I, I, <laughs> I will not confirm or deny whether yeah. I saw you with a flask yeah. of the Dynasty typewriter. <laughs> I'm not encouraging that behavior, but Mm-mm. should it happen, I yes. don't. I would not be able to be aware. We of won't it. shut it down. No. <laughs> I'll give like a uh, <laughs> that Apocalypse Now scene. When Martin Sheen is asked, "Were you not in the whatever province who killed that guy?" I, I have no knowledge of said. Uh, <laughs> Can neither confirm nor deny. deny uh, would I be predisposed to? He just gives this double talky CIA answer. That's just. That's what we're gonna. That's how I'm gonna respond to everything. So well, uh, why don't we introduce our guest? He's uh, a repeat guest, but hasn't been on in a while. Hasn't been on in a while. I think mm-hmm. last time he came on with uh, his filmmaking buddy. Uh, Jay Lender, yes. ladies and gentlemen, Micah Wright. Mm-hmm. Hello. So um, we, uh, so Micah is the one who was dumb enough to hire to hire me to make a TV <laughs> series over at FNX. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime now. Right? Yes, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of interesting because in Hollywood, people tend to believe that the Native Americans are all dead, right? And so they don't make entertainment for us. But as you know, many other minorities can attest, um, when you are broke, you watch a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, natives watch a lot of Netflix. And I think Netflix has begun to notice. And I think maybe Amazon has begun to notice. And uh, because you watch one native-themed thing, you watch one West Studi movie, and then suddenly Netflix is like, oh, would you like to watch this Adam Beach right. movie? How would you, would you like this movie? Would you like that movie? Well, I just watched that, that and we'll talk about it in the two, this, this um, series of, about playing basketball in, on the res it's in Arizona, great which is a great series. Um, but but it, you're right. And it, then it's like, oh, I started getting more in my queue. You might also like this kind of thing. And so we, um, we should maybe give people just a little history of, of you were over at FNX and the idea for this show. And, you know, you asked me to do this stuff and then we, we did it. And yeah, uh, well, I'm native American myself. I'm a, a citizen of the Muscogee Creek nation out of Oklahoma. And for 20 years, I've been pitching native themed content in Hollywood and being said, Oh, well, those people are all dead. Why would we make a movie for them? And I would say, <laughs> you know, Okay. Other than the one talking to you, I guess that must be true. Um, so, so they just think every, they all just disappeared. Yeah, that that seems to be generally America's perception. Or they of don't get Americans movies on uh, 
casinos, reservations for yeah. casinos. Well, yeah. that so that was for many years we were all drunks, mm-hmm. and then now the the pop, when people think about Native Americans at all, the popular conception is that we are all billionaires, right? Um, where in actuality, out of 565 tribes in the United States, there's about 30 tribes that have serious money coming from their gaming mm-hmm. um, things, and the rest of them just kind of have like sort of a, a second class gaming thing to provide jobs on on reservations and things mm-hmm. like that and usually barely you know clear the payroll and the lights mm-hmm. and you had been a member of like the native american group within the wga yeah i helped found it uh the uh, native american and world indigenous writers um caucus at the writers guild of america which is for people who are um native american and then like if you're like a canadian native what they call first nations or if you were like an aboriginal person from australia you're mm-hmm. welcome in our caucus and that's just um we are the we are the guild's smallest caucus <laughs> there, there are 15 of us out of 15,000 members of the Writers Guild, 15 mm-hmm. are Native American. And um, so, yeah, we, we founded that. And for years, I'd been pitching material. And uh, the last time I was on the show, I was here uh, promoting a movie uh, called They're Watching, which is on iTunes. And um, it was, uh, at that point, in theaters. And then it went to Netflix for three years. And now it's off Netflix. And we're looking for a new home for mm-hmm. it. And in the meantime, it's on iTunes. And... Uh, like as soon as that movie came out somebody called me and they said hey would you be interested in maybe running a television network and i thought this is not i'm a writer and a director i don't really want to be this paperwork person and they were like no 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 i mean you know you'll be in charge of all the programming and i thought okay well i i had now it's time for me to put my money where my mouth is i have to get into it and see what this is about and the network had been in existence, I think, at that time for about five years. What's the name of the network? It's called uh, First Nations Experience. It's FNX. Mm-hmm. And it is a uh, digital sub-network that is available to any non-commercial broadcaster in the United States. Okay. So, I just Could I just uh, ask, uh, did you just make those words up, digital sub-network? Or Sure. Um, well, you remember when, when we went from having square analog televisions, where everybody suddenly had a rectangle in their living room, mm-hmm. and it was digital. Mm-hmm. Well, what they discovered was with digital signal, you could have a, a, a 1080 primary signal and then have up to um, six uh, sort of analog, or not analog, but uh, lower resolution, the old uh, 480 resolution, digital sub-network. So if you look on, uh, if you have a television that has an antenna, you can go and look down your local channels and you're like channel two, which is CBS, has like a 2.1, which is me TV, yeah. and mm-hmm. a 2.2, and a 2.3, and a 2.4. And so... I have that. I, have, I, I, I don't have cable anymore, so I have, a, I have an antenna. Yeah. And so uh, PBS stations all across the country have these digital sub-networks, and sometimes they have a, a network called Create, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, cool thing today, and shows like that. And then there's a, sh- there's a digital sub-network that's called um, World, which is uh, all programs about the world from a very white PBS perspective. And uh, then we are one of the several channels that is available also, um, uh, FNX. And then PBS Kids is a -a 24-hour-a-day PBS cartoons Mm -hmm. shows for kids. And um, so when I got hired there, we had about 21 million viewers across the nation. And I think along the lines of 16 affiliates. 
And, and they had never done any original they content. They had never done any original content because they had so few affiliates and so few viewers, and they were funded entirely by um, uh, donations from the San Manuel Band of Mission Indians mm-hmm. out in San Bernardino, which has the closest casino to the Los Angeles area, and therefore are rich beyond your wildest dreams. Um, and there's only like 250 of them, whereas my tribe, there's 40,000 of us. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't have a per capita distrib- distribution, they do. Um, and they have a lot of money, and they are very into uh, what they call Yawa, which is the tradition of um, charity and helping your neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so they had very kindly for uh, five years at that point when I got hired, been supporting this network, and we're sort of feeling like, What's the next step with this thing? And I looked around and said, well, your next step is probably original programming because I can't buy enough Native American-themed content because nobody makes it. Because it doesn't exist. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. you have to make it yourself. And they said, oh, okay, well, what would that look like? And I pitched them about six shows, and we picked three to move forward on at first. And one of them was First Nations Comedy Experience. Um, which uh, I, which was a uh, the theory of it was going to be a stand up comedy show, and I was like, well, I know exactly the producer that I have in mind mm-hmm. for that, and that. Um, and then he was, said uh, no, and then you called Graham, and then I called Graham. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That guy was not affordable, and yeah. I said, well, Graham will work we, for Graham. Yeah, he'll work for Lint. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, and that's that's basically. No, I remember the lunch. I remember the lunch we had, and you were like, "I'm looking for show ideas," and I said, "The first thing that pops in my mind is native oh, yeah. stand-up is the cheapest, mm-hmm. easiest thing." And you said, "Well, we've been wanting to do something like that already," and I said, "I go, I could do that," and you were like, "Well, we don't have a lot of money," and I said, "Well, this is." what I've been doing is doing projects where you got to wear 10 hats. I mean, this was the LA Podfest. This is directing low budget docs. This is yep. um, doing all that stuff. And it was really, it was really a cool uh, thing. And we talked and we didn't hear, I didn't hear from you. And then I remember you literally called me on my birthday two years ago, 2017 and said, looks like the funding is going to happen. And then a week later, you're like, it's a done, it's happening. Yeah. And, and then within a couple of, months like within a month or two like two months maybe we were already filming yeah that was uh, that was august and then we are we shot our first episode december of 17 so we we the 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 funding cleared like october and we were in pre-production november and december and we shot our first episode and then we shot the other 12 uh you know january through may of 18 and it was great. It was such a cool experience. It was it was an amazing experience. Some of the other shows that we we did at that time came together much slower than that, um, and uh, which was exasperating. I mean, anytime you try to do something new with a large institution, it, it it's like it's turning a cruise liner. Mm-hmm. Like you turn the wheel today, and then like the thing starts to turn. The boat actually starts to turn in about a week or two. And um, it, it was definitely like that running this network because not only uh, we we were owned by the PBS channel of San Bernardino, but they in turn were owned by the community college district of San Bernardino. And so we had not only the everyday common problems that come with making television but also dealing with um, a special set of laws that come from working in the public television space. Right. And then an additional set of laws that come from being your funding source. With a, with, well, funding source, primarily the ownership being mm-hmm. the, the, the college, 
you fall under what's called California Education Code, which is like a whole other set of laws that oh, dictate wow. how and when you can spend money. So it would be like if I wanted to spend anything more than $250, I had to go before an elected board of eight octogenarians and explain to these people who were like, what's a television? Oh, wow. why, why I needed to spend $300 on It's radio X. with pictures. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Stop so. spewing your hullabaloo. What this sounds so. like, science fiction. <laughs> so you did one season then on FNX, and now it's on Amazon Prime? Yes, uh, they, uh, so Amazon Prime um, was uh, was interested, and so they're, they're screening it now. There's 13 episodes. 13 there. episodes on Amazon Prime, and uh, you know this was done through... Uh, Michael was like, let's get distribution for these three original series. And, and you were like, hey, there's this company, Comedy Dynamics. I was like, I know them, because yeah. uh, we got earbuds on them and mm -hmm. Afghanistan's on them. So uh, we set that up and then literally just found out a couple weeks ago that they got the Amazon deal. And so, you know, anyone out there that's got Amazon Prime, well, you can watch all 13 episodes. Um, several of the uh, of the comics uh, have been on this show. Sheila Shalaki, Jim Rule, Shoshonia Livingston. Uh, you know, one of the things that was cool about this was your overall plan for FNX, but this series specifically was to serve the native community, but also bring non-native eyeballs to all this native culture. So I was like, well, why don't we get a couple of big name comics that aren't necessarily native, but have following. So Nikki Glazer's on it, Jimmy Dore's on it. Yeah, there was, I mean, it was, generally we had three episodes, uh, three comedians per show mm -hmm. and sometimes four, sometimes three. four, but yep. generally at least two of the comedians um, on the three-person shows were natives. Mm -hmm. And I, I I don't remember the exact numbers, but it came out to like we had something along the lines of 48 comedians total. We had 49 like comics total, 49 50 comics. if you count the... Um... Unfunny idiot who was hosting the show. <laughs> <laughs> he was the worst. Um, uh, but uh, I was going to say if you count... Um, we we showed a clip of Charlie Hill who's no longer oh, alive, yeah. and I always say I always include him one as the of the fiftieth. greats. He was because yeah. he was one of the greats. We show his his appearance um, on the Tonight Show in the seventies, the first mm -hmm. ever Native American on late night TV, I believe. Doing that's, that's not even an appearance from the Tonight Show. That's from the um, Richard Pryor. Right, that's right, show. the Richard oh, Pryor wow. show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was we had we had forty nine comics, fifty including Charlie Hill, forty. Two were uh, of some ethnicity. Thirty-eight were actual Native American, Native American tribal affiliation, and you know we had a couple Latinos, we had some Asian, we had a whole wide uh, range of comics, and it's an amazing. I say watch it for several reasons. One, um, it's just there's really cool stand-up comedy, and and we didn't have a huge budget, and I think we did an amazing job of it making looks great. it looks great. Mm -hmm. We had a great crew we had you know how to stretch a dollar yeah I know how to stretch a dollar and then there's 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 um you know you're seeing uh younger or less experienced comics um which is cool and then you're seeing people like larry omaha who is oh, amazing man. yeah i mean and then you're seeing um drew lacapa that is one of the more unique stand-up sets i've ever seen it's not often you see a, a comedian come out and sit down on the stage and mm. reenact being in a sweat lodge in this hilarious manner. Hmm. So the thing, I like, I thought I was pretty cultured and stuff. I learned a lot about native culture that I wasn't aware of. And they hmm. do amazing job of breaking down all those stereotypes. Oh, they get free college, they're, they're all in casino, hmm. whatever, the drunken, all those things. These comics, once an episode, there was at least once, I would say to the editor, "There's that joke would never be on regular TV. Right. Mm -hmm. And we got to really 
it was such a great experience. And, and, and Micah, thank you for having me do it. And it was so cool to work with you and to make it because we got to, I, there was no, the only limits were just like, we can't say that swear word or maybe this sex joke, but we content, my social commentary, political stuff. It was amazing. And I met, and I, I I sort of fell back in love with stand up directing it because I was getting a little burnt out watching some LA comics just sort of all say the same. Oh, I got a Tinder joke. You need to get that sitcom. Yeah, and they're not trying to say anything. They're not on any sort of cutting edge and watch these comics who are from Arizona. Nowhere. Min- min- nowhere. I mean, some small, uh, Canada, Minnesota, you know, just all over the place, Oklahoma. And to watch them come out and bring it, it was such a cool experience. So check it out. Yeah. First it, Nations uh, comedy experience. And I think, I believe 39 of them had never been on television. No, there was there, there was there was twenty two television debuts. Twenty two, yes, mm. twenty two people never been on TV, first wow. time ever. That's amazing, and that was like that was cool because I remember, Chris, you remember your first oh, time yeah. doing stand up mm-hmm. on TV. How big of a deal it was. What yeah. was yours? Yours was evening at the Improv. That mm-hmm. was huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty good. One. Mine was TBS uh, New Year's Day Comedy Cure mm-hmm. that Paul Gilmartin helped set up. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, Laura House who's been a regular on the show. She's mm-hmm. in the series. Uh, Karen Rontowski who's been on this. Um, yeah, it, it was it was really Chris Fairbanks and yeah, and a bunch of comedians who you've never heard of, but mm-hmm. who when you see them, you're thinking to yourself, "Wow, that guy's great." How come I've never heard of him? And the the reason is that they tour in some small remote backwater, or they only hit um, tribal like gathering places not, mm. not even necessarily like uh performing in casinos because a lot of tribal casinos don't want um tribal comedians playing in them because then they think oh well white people won't come and see a native doing native comedy inside a native casino um so it's it's kind of weird like we've locked our own out which is bizarre so it was it was it was very it was very gratifying in a number of ways to do the show uh not least of which was to give a platform to so many different people to had who had so much different so many different sort of viewpoints on, you know, the human experience. Cool. The Ladies of Native Comedy, which oh, is the first ever all-female comedy special. I submitted it for the Emmys. I mean, we didn't have the campaign to... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I realized later is we should have submitted it for a regional Emmy because we would have won. Right. I didn't even know they had those. Yeah, neither did I. And we didn't know. I, mean, we were, I was just like, hey, let's yeah. see I'm like, well, I'm in charge of a television network. <laughs> um, you know, not bad. I mean, we went way. I exploded the place from 19 million viewers to 56 million by the time mm-hmm. I left. And we doubled our number of, of affiliates. And, uh, you know, I hope that the network continues on um, now that I'm not there. But... You know. you know, the other thing, too, and, and, and we'll start talking movies here in a sec, but like, uh, you know, now that it's on Amazon, Amazon tracks, clicks, and People views. can check yeah. it out, yeah. So yeah, anyone definitely. can watch it now and spread the word on this, uh, Comedy Film Nerd listeners, because what this does is potentially open the doorway to making more of these series and more native... Everyone who was, was like, when are you guys doing season two? And it's yeah. like, well... Comedians uh, came out of the woodwork. Came out of the woodwork. I was just swarmed yeah. on Facebook and Twitter with people going, oh my God, I saw this episode of this thing. I was at my Gima's house and I saw this show and I'd never heard of it before. Like the first season and is why am I not on it? And I'd be like, yeah. well, maybe we'll put your name down for second season. I mm. have a list of probably 25 comics that we didn't use. Yeah. That mm-hmm. so we could, I mean, we could book a second season today. Yeah, yeah. I, if we if they got approved, we I would need six weeks of pre-production at the most, mm-hmm. and we could do another season. And and right. just the existence of it is, um, it, 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 I really want to drive this point home. Like, you don't get a Chadwick Boseman to be the Black Panther without him having played 
like bad guy number four right. on a couple of shows, and then like guy on street in a couple of shows, and then like he's stacking boxes and talking to the police on an episode of Law and Order, and nobody cast natives in those in those small bit parts. And so that was really what we wanted to do was sort of just get a lot of natives on television so that they could go on to do other things. Resume builder. Yeah, And not just have to be Sheila Shalaki when she did this show said, you know, we all can get on TV for leathers and feathers. That's the only one. And this was like showing natives in all these different, Mm -hmm. you know, all these different capacities, all these different ways and saying, look, they don't have to be the native in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can just be the neighbor, the best friend, the buddy who happens to be native. The cop. Mm-hmm. The yeah. cop. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the great things, you know, when I uh, first saw West Studio, he was in um, uh, uh, Last of the Mohicans playing Magua. Mm-hmm. And gray hair will go beneath my, my knife. And um, when the next thing I saw him in was Heat. Yes. And I was like, Holy cow! He's just playing a LAPD just, just a robbery cop. homicide cop mm-hmm. in that movie, and it's great. Um, it, it, it so one of the things that is really interesting is with the streaming services, they know who's watching. Uh, PBS, uh, NBC, CBS—they're sort of guessing at who's watching. The Nielsen ratings are a bag of smoke. One of the things that was really interesting about this job that I had was that um, I got to see under the hood of how Nielsen works. And holy cow, what a bunch of baloney! They're just—it's <laughs> well, been just, outdated for years. Well, yeah, but they like claim that it's. And so we, you know, I was like, why did we pay fifty thousand dollars last year for 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 ratings for just San Bernardino County, like show me some sort of national rating. And they were like, oh, if you buy this $10,000 box from us, you can see your, your national rating. So I bought the box and then they're like, oh, well, we won't give you a number to put in the box until you reach 33% of America's um, physical geography. And I was like, so 33% of America's citizens? Because I'm, I'm at 50 million now. And they're like, no, no, not 33%. So Nielsen's of- a bait and switch? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> allegedly. We'll sell you this box. Parody, but parody. Then, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was... It's like it buying was, a PS4, but it won't play any games. <laughs> it, 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 until, until you buy a PS8. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get and, it. And so one of the things that's really interesting is that the streaming services, one of the, my last year on that job, uh, I found that my biggest competitor for new programs, because I want someone to say, oh, have you seen this show from Canada? It's amazing. It's all about life on a Canadian reserve and like this corrupt, you know, sort of, um, you know, reservation council. And I'd be like, oh, okay, let me go look into that. And I'd call the producers and they'd go, oh, sorry, man. Uh, we just sold it to Netflix. Yeah, um, yeah. And just show after show after mm-hmm. show was going to Netflix or Amazon or Netflix or Amazon. So they know. Not only are they acquiring. But they get the clicks. Mm-hmm. So last year, the very first show in the history of television, which has been around since the mid-40s, about, starring, written, and directed by a Native American was this year on Netflix. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it was on Netflix. I think right. that Netflix is looking at the clicks and they're saying, hey, interesting. Mm. So yeah, um, go to, go to Amazon Netflix Prime. I Netflix is playing and, a shotgun game, though. They're literally yeah, doing for sure, everything. But they well, they shotgunned mm-hmm. that show to death. It's called mm-hmm. Chambers. It's great. Mm-hmm. But they, they, they ended know, it after they, one they're season. They're tracking and Amazon's like, their We're losing all the Disney stuff. Just we, we got to fill stuff in. Yeah. So um, all, all right. right. Well, this is great. Check out the show on uh, Amazon Prime, and then we'll talk some movies. Chris, you saw The Goldfinch. Yes, and I can almost guarantee that all of you listening did not. So uh, <laughs> looking at the, uh, the box office the and looking at the box office totals, it tanked 
horribly, like way worse than I thought it would. $305 per screen average. Yeah, <gasps> yeah, like really. I like, mean, literally. That's like 15 people a day? Yeah. Yes. Best-selling novel, like bunch of stars in it, one of the kids from Stranger Things. How could no one go see this movie? Oh, that's how. Okay. No one went to see this movie. And, but it's bad. Uh, yes, it is bad. <laughs> it is a bad movie. I think people uh, must have known that uh, going it's in. The, it's in the low 20s on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. I think. And, and it was one of those movies, too, that uh, let's let's first start with the trailer. When we saw the trailer... Um, the premise is this kid loses his mother in a, um, a terrorist attack at a Metropolitan Museum of Art. So they shot the trailer, they edited the trailer, they shot the movie specifically, especially with the unfolding of this film, like it was some kind of mystery thriller. Like, wait, is this picture that he is fascinated with, is this connected to the bombing? Is there a reason we're shooting this with only seeing the back of the mother's head? Like, he can't remember right. exactly what happened, with the, and the, you never see the mother's face. There's other characters, like he gets a ring from one of the characters. Like, all these mysteries must clearly tie in. Turns out they don't. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> the book is not a mystery. Yeah. The book is told in sequential order. It mm -hmm. was the bizarre choice to do the yeah. movie in this fashion. The, they, the movie, like, yeah. The movie jumps back and forth through time, like, uh, um, you know, kid, adult, kid, adult, like, like, and randomly and haphazardly, like, no reason for it to, but it does it anyway. If you did David Copperfield as, like, a bank robbing movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. That's that's a, that's a way so, to do it. Because the trailer looked like, oh, this could be really intriguing. Yeah, yeah. I read the description. I was like, wow. Oh, and it could be a like a mystery. It wasn't. It is a drama. But then it doesn't even stay in drama territory. So this movie goes all over the place. First, it's, you know, drama. Then it's this weird couple of scenes of like a... Um, a gay sexual awakening and then like oh I guess we're never going to revisit that again that we're getting two scenes and then we're done now he's just in love with this girl that he can't have uh, oh, <laughs> believe me these aren't spoilers uh, um, so this movie progresses and it lurches and lumbers from scene to scene with no purpose or no reason and other than the fact that to try to get the actors to get um, awards nominations because Every scene is meticulously crafted to show a performance. So it was clearly like one of those, like, well, we like this scene. This is the performance that's going to get us a nomination. This is the performance that's going to get us a nomination. Yeah, but how about telling a compelling, coherent story? Maybe start there and then layer it with good performances. Because I'll tell you, like, Luke Wilson on his own plays this, like, deadbeat dad who has a gambling problem, and he's a complete asshole, and you really believe him because he's got, like, this kind face and demeanor and this charm and then he's a complete bastard and asshole and um i'm like oh wow this i'd like to see this movie can we just can we just watch this movie uh but again only a couple of scenes only a couple of times in the movie well the novel is like almost 900 pages long if i'm remembering well it was one of those movies that that makes a lot of sense because it was almost like the way Chris Columbus did Harry Potter. Like, there's no, there's not a creative bone in his body. He can't do anything interesting or different. So what happens when you get a book, you just shoot cliff notes of the book. Yeah, it's like, like a book report yeah, for a third grader. Basically, yeah, that's what it really felt like. This was like a book report from a filmmaker that had no idea what to do with the source material. I just shot scenes from the book without any kind of coherent narrative or, or, uh, or um, connective tissue. So we have... Basically a drama, possible sexual awakening, again, only two scenes, um, you know, unrequited love. And then at the end, it becomes an art heist thriller. 
<laughs> Whoa, like, like I now, did not see that coming. Yeah, now all of a sudden, wait, there's uh, the goldfinch has been stolen, there's drug dealers, and then there's guns. We're going um, overseas to Europe. Like, wait, wait, wow, now, now what movie is this? And again, you get two scenes of that. And then, uh, <laughs> and yet the trailer's full of it to make yeah, it seem yeah, like it's yeah. like really exciting. Well, this so, is one of those sounds like one of those examples where a lot of times we, we're critical of a trailer editor, mm-hmm. and a lot of times they're just at the behest of the studio, so not yeah. the actual editor. But like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't reveal how good the movie was. It made it look bad or worse. But this sounds like that this editor was like, "Look, you have a bag of shit. Yes. You need a pot." And they went, "All right." <laughs> And they're like, man, that's when it's like this editor needs to yeah. win an award. Yeah, I'm for gonna... best trailer for a horrible movie. Yes, I think what is uh, I, I think one of the awards um, shows actually has that like most misleading trailer. What is it? Uh, I don't know if it's the Razzies or somebody. Somebody has one somewhere, and it's well deserved in this case. Because, you know, you've got, like I said, a bunch of stars. You've got, uh, you know, Nicole Kidman and Luke Wilson and... Anson uh, Elgort, Anson, uh, is he, it his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and for for years I had been sort of cold on that guy, but then he was so good in Baby Driver mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, that guy, he's also you good know in, what? In, in, in Fault in Your Stars, he's really, mm-hmm. he's really good in that. See, I didn't see that because I'm not a teenage girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it on a plane and I cried. Yeah, I will um, say, you know, none of this this movie is not the fault of any of the actors in it. Uh, that's for sure because they did the best with what they uh, were given. And no, exactly. Nice, nice, Aaron. You just been hanging back there and laying that one out there. Nice, buddy. That was it's some just, low-hanging joke fruit. <laughs> Shooting three throws. It's just sitting there quietly, yeah. and then, oh, I'm turning the mic on for this yeah. one. This is going so, to get me out of my chair and hit mic four on. <laughs> so this, this movie, I, you know, um, um, clearly the rest of America was um, already had managed their expectations. <laughs> I had, by staying home, <laughs> yes, or by just staying, not knowing that it yeah. existed. I saw a lot. I saw a lot of ads in theaters, but nothing on television. And I, I really think, and I too, just thought it was like, oh, is this their like their big Academy Award movie? It's probably opening in like seventy screens. Yeah. And then yeah. I read that Monday that it opened in almost three thousand screens. <gasps> yeah, and crazy, gasped. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It was, and, and even if this movie was good, it shouldn't have opened in that many no, screens. No, it's insane. Yeah. It's um, yeah. I imagine it's probably because they thought, oh, Nicole Kidman, this yeah. is a slam dunk. Of course. Or, or somebody went, look, we need a write-off towards the end of the year. True enough. Yeah. <laughs> Got to uh, hide all that Transformers money. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. It was a weird. Um, it was a weird, just miss and mess of a movie. And I also was thinking in the back of my head too, like you know, even fans of the book probably would have shown up to see this. But then I'm thinking, well, maybe these New York Times bestseller numbers are also inflated. Like maybe less people have read the book than right. yeah than uh, we're seeing. And it also is like. They knew they had a bad movie yes. when it was finished. If mm-hmm. they had, they you know when you've got like... Why is it opening in September? Right. Yeah. It's opening in September. And the only reason you open September is And the marketing budget was probably cut at the end. It's bad mm-hmm. or we know we've got a great movie. Let's be front runners in the Oscar race. You know, uh, right. like... I, I have seen that less and less and less. Yeah, I know. I, in general, September was always um, like the dumping ground yeah, for Yeah, it movies. is. Mm-hmm. And which is why it's which really weird to see. Which is extended into mid to end August too now. Ad Astra now coming out this week, where that has supposedly gotten rave reviews at all the film festivals. Well, see, that's the, that's the example. That's the great example. So I think Ad Astra, and we'll, we'll see. But I think Ad Astra, they're like, we know what. I think they're gambling on this fact. 
that it's really good. And because it's big budget science fiction, it'll run through the holidays. That's my guess. I, Aaron, I think what, what does what it Ad Astra is. mean again? To the stars. To, to the stars. Yes. No, I think it means fault in the fault stars. Fault in the stars. Yes. <laughs> no fault of the stars. Um, and it also means don't go see Rambo Last Blood. The, <laughs> I, I think that that's Disney dumping their competitor's product is what I think that is. Really? I think, I think it's them being ashamed that they bought this company and that the X-Men flamed out. So they're just going to dump all these Fox movies that they've got completed and sitting in the can. And so they thought, oh, I'll just dump this one in September. Maybe They already had release dates probably. No, they had moved it up. It was oh, supposed. To, it, it was. It was Fox's big like. This is going to win us all the Academy Awards, oh and it was opening like in December, like just a week before Christmas. And Disney was like, "Oh no, to the September dumping ground with you." Yes. It seems like kind of like, and I've seen enough of this kind of nasty intercorporate. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's time to settle some score with some guy who I used to work for. Yeah, where you're just like, okay, this seems like an executive thing. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're just clearing out some space for a Disney film that they want to make more money. In did December. they uh, did they do a little sniping like, oh, if we would have seen this movie before, we wouldn't have bought the company. So <laughs> no, but they they did say that about that X Men movie, which yeah. I thought was really funny. Which is like, <laughs> I, I didn't think that was. You know, anybody who thinks that's the worst X Men movie hasn't seen the other ones. No. So <laughs> and the other thing, I will say this, and you, Michael, you could be very this could be very accurate. I some but the the rules are changing a little bit in terms of like we've talked about this before, but look what Black Panther did. That was a February release, and it stayed in the theaters. And I think they're realizing if that model can change. The we've got to dump thirty Oscar contenders in a six-week window. Maybe that can change too. And like, uh, I'd be great if that could. I think yeah. I think I I don't know. It, it might be just some score settling between mm-hmm. executives, or Disney might go. You know what? Let's drop Ad Astra now, and then if it if it starts steamrolling and people love it because they're realizing like they spread out the superhero movies they don't dump them all in the summer now yeah. in the summer of more i've noticed at least this past summer you know you had the farewell you had um uh, blinded by the light you you had like indie movies that like man these could get a little oscar they could get a little oscar something in there well maybe Dick's, disney's mixing it up all right Parents get at Astra in September. Kids get frozen in November or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, November is still like that's like Thanksgiving yeah, and yeah. families and that kind of thing. So. I don't know. It's always interesting to look at the sort of merger politics. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they, they get these projects that are finished. Yeah. And they just go, well, what do we do with this? What do we do with it? Yeah. And it's always that sort of thing where it's like not invented here syndrome, mm-hmm. where if it's a hit, everyone goes, <laughs> that Disney, Disney didn't even make that. And it's their biggest hit of the year. Mm-hmm. So they don't want that to happen. But if it's a failure, they can always blame it on the other people and go, well, <laughs> we didn't even make that Astra. We just got it in the sale. Success has many fathers, yeah. but failure, failure is an orphan. Yeah. <laughs> failure all belongs to Graham. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, for it to be their biggest hit of the year, I mean, it'd have to be bigger than Endgame, and that's like impossible. So, yeah. Well, sure. Um, that would be impossible. Yeah. So, it's not all right. So, I saw the Goldfinch. Now, um, Micah, you did a fl- uh, coin flip, and Angel has fallen one. Yeah. Speaking mm. of Oscar talk. Yes. <laughs> you bet. Sausage Fingers is going the distance this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, I noticed when I was watching this film that, oh, my God, he doesn't have hands. He's, um, uh, what's his name, the lead of that movie? Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. There you go. Thank you. Gerard mm-hmm. Butler. He's like one and a half people shoved into the skin of one person. <laughs> he's a bit, I met him. He's a pretty big guy. He's like 6'2", oh, 6'3". He's, six, three. he's, he's a, enormous. He, he's got a head on him that's like... A, a, like a like a cooler for a normal human head, 
It's like a like a like an ice freezer that you put a normal human head in, but it's also shaped like a head. And it's just like there's a scene where he goes to kiss his wife, and I'm like, watch out, he's gonna eat you. Like yeah. he's so big, it's like a troll kissing a human woman. And his fingers, whenever they show him, like he's like rubbing his head or he's rubbing his face, and they show his fingers. And when I was in college, a friend of my my, my roommate was a, um, a a med school student, and uh, she came home from the hospital where with a photograph of a guy who something had happened and it had pinched his wedding ring on his finger, and his finger had just continued to swell up and swell up and swell up with blood until it was the size of like like a Dodger dog, and. That's what Gerard Butler's hands look like. They're just <laughs> a they're just hang, dog. They're, they're, he's got he's got he's like half ban- it's like a clump of bananas and each of the bananas <laughs> is a Dodger dog. He's got 10 Dodger dogs for fingers. And he his neck has got to be like a 36-inch neck. Mm-hmm. It's like a normal person's waist and he probably uses a human person's belt as a as a as a as a tie. He's just an enormous <laughs> giant freak of a person. And so when you see him in this movie, literally kill probably about 500 people with his bare hands. You're just like, sure. <laughs> okay, yeah. I saw the first two of these movies. I saw the first one in the theater. Um, that was the the, the interesting um, White House is taken over by terrorists face off with that other movie right. starring, um, what's his face? From the uh, yeah, there's White House has fallen. Then there's the London Bridge. London Bridge is falling falling down. I think that's it. And then now this one, Angel is falling. But in all these movies, even the competitors, Morgan Freeman plays the president, right? No, I think in the in the other one it was (laughs) Aaron Eckhart, but just basically, yeah. Yeah. But Um, you know, the when the comet was or the meteor was coming down, was well. Speaking of two competing movies with the exact same thing, it was Mm -hmm. like uh, asteroids. So here's the thing with these movies: we know what they are. They're not trying to be anything else. They're not trying to be. This one is super entertaining. Really? Yeah, the first one I thought was great. It, it, mm-hmm. And it wiped that other one out, whatever that, I can't mm-hmm. remember that guy's name even. He's just got that vast parking lot of a face. <laughs> he was, um, he, he came up in the step I think that up, was on the movie movies. card. Aaron, look up a parking lot chase. Channing Tatum is who he's referring to. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum, <laughs> thank you. Yes, Channing Tatum did that other White House security, sure. Secret Service movie with Aaron Eckhart, president. Mm-hmm. And... The first movie, um, White House Fallen or whatever it was called. Olympus uh, is Olympus Fallen. Is fallen. Ol- Olympus the is fir- Fallen. Olympus is Fallen. They, they came out within like a month and a half of each other. And Gerard Butler's just decimated Channing Tatum's film, like mm-hmm. earnings wise. And I thought it was a better film, even though everyone was like, oh, this one's really good. And I went to see it and I was like, no, I, don't, I think this one's the better one. So I wasn't surprised when I got a second film. What I was surprised by was that the second film was no good. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is like a return to form. It's like it really is like a uh, sort of like a like there was a good moment there where you're like, is this Die Hard movie series going to go somewhere? Because this Die Hard <laughs> right. two is like not the mm-hmm. greatest. It's not terrible, but it's not Die Hard one. Very few films are, but Die Hard three was suddenly like a, like a return to grace, and you were like, all oh, right. And then they made um, no more Die Hard movies after that. Sadly, <laughs> um, this was a really I good. I was not expecting it. Um, it was directed by a former stuntman. Rick mm-hmm. Roman Waugh, who um, I was once rewritten on a video game by him. And so for many years, I would see his name come up in the in the credits of movies and go, oh, this guy who <laughs> rewrote my video game. And um, 
It's a it's an unusual name, R I C Rick, mm-hmm. and then Roman, and then last name W A U G H, which the only mm-hmm. other person I know who has that name is Evelyn Waugh, an eighteenth century novelist. And um, well, we all know her, right? <laughs> Evelyn Waugh, you know, everybody knows eighteenth century yeah. novelist. Yeah, and so, yeah. but he's a former stuntman. That's his great great grandpa. Seeing <laughs> seeing a former stuntman is just like the the uh, John Wick movies. Yeah, when stuntmen direct stuntmen, it's always right. way better. Mm-hmm. And in this case. He, this is, I don't know, I, I didn't look it up, but I think, I think it's like the fifth or sixth movie I've seen with his name on it, which makes me think that maybe he's directed even more than that. Mm-hmm. This one's great. Uh, the action set pieces are amazing. They're kinetic. They're shot in interesting ways. There's a lot of different kinds of action set pieces in it. It's not just like, you know, guys running down corridors and like, you know, like a Marvel, like television show where it's just like the 15 people jumping out of doors and getting punched in the face kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a really well done action film. And um, I, I, I really wasn't expecting it. So I was very pleasantly surprised. And then plus, you know, you get to see what happens when someone has just got too much blood in their body. Which is just Gerard Butler in every scene. You know, I it, it, look, I saw it and I went, yeah, I saw Olympus's Fall and was like, okay, fine. And this one I was like, I'll probably watch this on a plane and we'll love it and we'll have a great time. Like it's one of these movies I went, I'm going to deliberately not see it in the theaters because it'll it'll get me across the country for some gig. In March. Well, you might be able to see the goldfinch tomorrow on the plane. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think they're going to bring it to people's houses and beg them to watch it. So. All right. Just, and they, uh, I'm sorry. Aaron has something? Sorry. To- just minor corrections. The uh, Channing Tatum film was called White House Down. White House Down. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the president in that was Jamie Foxx, of all people. Oh, oh Jamie Foxx. Aaron Eckhart was president in Olympus's Fall. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then what was the second Has Fallen one? London Has London Fallen. Has fallen. London, London Has Fallen. fallen. Mm-hmm. All right. But what I thought was great was about London Has Fallen is if you've ever been to London, you basically see a big car chase in that film mm-hmm. where they go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth in front of the same very distinctive national location. <laughs> and so if you've ever been to London, you're just like, why are they just racing? It'd be like if I if we ran from here to the Disney lot and then went back and forth and back and forth <laughs> and back and forth. If you're from Burbank, you're like, oh, my God, just... Is there no other street in Burbank? <laughs> Make a right. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. Just, <laughs> well, it's very difficult there because they drive on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. Oh, that's why they got caught in that loop. Yeah, yeah. keep seeing islands in Ikea. And Danny Houston is in this film, and he's, I don't know what happened, where someone was like, oh, Danny Houston is a threatening psychopath. Let's cast him in all movies as threatening psychopaths. He's mm-hmm. great as the villain. He, and they don't really hide it for very long. It's like, I didn't mm. give anything away. I think it's even in the trailers. He just comes on. He's like, all right, I'm the bad guy. I'm vaguely hiding my British accent. And now <laughs> we're going to just shoot everybody. And it's just it's just rock solid. If you like action films. I, and Morgan Freeman. Right. Check it yeah. out. Morgan Freeman. He oh, spends half oh, the movie great. in a coma, but, you know, yeah. he wakes up eventually. I'm sure he's yep. got something profound to say when he it's wakes like, up. It's like one yep. of those things where you're like, they brought him in for like two he's days still of gets, shooting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he made $4 million. <laughs> yeah. And his name's good on you. You're 90 years old. Yeah, and and I'm sure his contract was like, I don't work past 5 p.m. Oh no, absolutely. I have no 6 a.m. calls. Half (laughs) the movie, he's either in a bed or they're or they're or or he's he's in a chair and they're pushing him down a hallway. And then there's like three scenes where he actually has to get up and walk around. I'm sure they're like, well, the the script where he's just got to run. He's like, no, I'm not running. You're rewriting that. So that's... (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting is uh, it's in Bruce Willis's contracts reputedly that he will not run on film for any reason. Wow. Nor can he lose a fist fight, which is why um, 
were they to make a Die Hard movie after Die Hard 3, they would be no good because if you can't lose a fist fight as Bruce Willis and you can't run on screen, well, what would you do, really? So that's why they've never made a Die Hard 4 or a Die Hard 5. Because <laughs> those would be bare, terrible if they had yeah. done that, which they didn't do. Just you like know. there's no Alien movie yeah. after Aliens. Yep, right. They, um, you know, it also doesn't have Kevin Smith in one of them too. There's no Predator Star- One. Yep. There's no Star Wars prequels. <laughs> no, they don't exist. The, they kept talking about so, them. They, well, they started with these sequels, but they. I don't here, know, weird. I'm gonna segue that into a movie that should not exist. Uh, uh, <laughs> Speaking um, of, yeah, I, and I'll tell you, I had very high hopes for this film. This was an HBO film, uh, Fahrenheit 451. Now, if you see. When you put these things together, Fahrenheit 451, amazing novel by Ray Bradbury. You add Michael B. Jordan, and then you add Michael Shannon, and you think, wow, uh, I'm there. I can't wait to see this movie. HBO, Um, they make good stuff. Yep, exactly. There's some quality control there. Um, The trailer was good. Yep. This movie was an outlier. (laughs) It was a terrible, terrible Mm. film. Completely missed the point of the book. Um, It it got this. Ray Bradbury got asylumed on this movie. They literally. This was, threw, this they, was they the Ray Bradbury SWAT versus yeah, Devil. Yeah, they, they literally threw away the book. They kept um, a couple of the character names, and then they pretty much did whatever they want. Well, that's yeah. good because why would you mm. want to use the writing of Ray Bradbury I know, for the yeah. cornerstone of your movie? Clearly, he got it wrong. Yeah, and then we we know better. <laughs> we know better. Yeah, uh, I know like, better than Ray Bradbury. It feels like a prank on on middle school <laughs> students everywhere. Yeah, yeah, because right. oh, I was telling um, uh, Micah before the show that um, Bella had to read as a summer project sure. uh, Fahrenheit 451, and I read it with her because the first thing she said to me was like, oh, I don't want to read this book. It's All my friends say it doesn't make any sense and it's boring. And I said, first of all, all your friends are very, very stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second of all, uh, I will read the book with you and we'll go through it and we'll, we'll explain it. So I read the book with her. She ended up loving it, understanding it, and uh, the stuff that, like, the references that were dated, I explained to her, and then she got it even more. How did that affect the relationship with her stupid friends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a whole hoping, new class of friends. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that uh, may have opened her eyes a little bit. Uh, how, They're out uh, burning books. Yeah. And <laughs> it was always that mistake that people make, like, uh, that... Or, you know, when you read Friday for Fifty One, well, it's about technology. That's the evil. I'm like, no, it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with technology. It's how it's used. That's the entire point. Like, uh, you know, you have these TVs that are entire walls. And Ray Bradbury's whole point was that it, it's, you know, reading opens up your mind and it's about free thinking. And then if you use technology incorrectly, uh, but it has nothing to do with the technology, it's about shutting off your mind and conforming and doing what the government's telling you to do. And this movie, all it did, it was more important for this movie to show how technology took over our lives. Like, there's every building is a screen. Uh, you know, everything, like, there's emojis in everybody's house. Like, uh, it, it completely missed the point. And I remember, I think I'm more irritated about it than Ray Bradbury would have been. Because I remember him saying in an interview, because he had a lot of works adapted. Um, somebody asked him, "Is like, oh... Um, can you believe what they did to your book? And he would always answer, nobody did anything to my books. They're right there. And he would just point to them behind him. And uh, so he would always be very zen and take these adaptations with a grain of salt. Sort of the anti-Alan Moore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who would like, I'm taking my name off that. And uh, so it's the kind of thing where um, I, I just don't know how HBO, the filmmakers, you know, the writers could just miss it so um spectacularly like everything from the themes to the story to the characters 
nothing was retained and nothing was understood. It was like watching. Um, did speak, did, uh, it was like watching um, uh, Zack Snyder make a Batman movie <laughs> or, or a Superman movie. Yeah. Did, now, did HBO produce this from the ground up, or did they buy acquire it? It really looked like it was. Uh, I think HBO was at the, like HBO production. Wow. Like it really looked like that because I really think that's, that's how the stars got. Yeah. You know, you know, they got the stars uh, there. Well, let me ask you this, like. <laughs> Because every once in a blue moon, I'll go back and read some book from school, like like that or Slaughterhouse mm-hmm. Five. Right. Or mm-hmm. How how was reading it? The because I'm assuming you haven't read it in how, years, years. Years. It was great, but it was dated. Like there were certain parts that I had to explain to my daughter. They're like, "Well, this is kind of what it was like back then, or this was the perception back then." Because even though it's a futuristic novel. It was still written decades ago, sure. so there's certain 70s, references. 60s? Um, I think it's a 60s book. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a 60s book. And then the first adaptation, I think, was late 60s 1968 or 1968 or so? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Truffaut. Yeah, yeah. And, so you know, lots of people staring at each yeah. other. And, and, the, I, and honestly, <laughs> that m- movie adaptation, while it was closer to the book, it was still a slog. You can't, you oh, can't watch that un- It's almost well, it's like the original. It's like the Slaughterhouse Five adaptation. Yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. man, you know what? Watch that again. Really? I mean, these... as an adult with an adult brain, I, I mean, when I saw it when I was like 25, I was like, man, this, this movie sucks. And then I saw it probably about seven years ago, and I was like, wow, this is actually really good. Well, the book is, you know, the thing about Asimov, too, is, or excuse me, Vonnegut, is, uh, um, you know, it goes all over the place right. in the writing. So, and you know, the movie embraces yeah, that. Yeah, it goes all over in the place. In a way that's very confusing for a narrative yeah. film. Like, but it, it it provokes that experience in you that the book does, where you're where it's just pop 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 pop. Like pop here, here's a place. great example. Like in Fahrenheit 451, there's uh, you know what Ray Bradbury does, which is so genius. Like he he pictures like the idyllic far, firehouse that you used to have, like in Main Street, where you would have like the Dalmatian and the firemen that would go out and uh, put out fires. But now you have the firemen that go out and start fires and burn books. But you also have a mechanical dog that um, they program to chase animals, and then when it catches the animal, a syringe comes out and basically injects poison into it. So why wouldn't you figure out a way to put that in your movie? Because then when Montag's on the run, they send the hound after him. And there's all these great things about, like, well, you know, you can't show that he gets away. You have to show... So they, um, you know, all the TV screens show him actually getting caught, even though they didn't, they didn't catch him. There's all these great themes that are still incredibly relevant now that are completely ignored in this movie. I'm like, what? how could you um, not understand that these were the important things and these are relevant now today and then not put those in your movie? Like, mm-hmm. it was unbelievable how much they, they missed. So I would recommend anyone who was um, a fan, actually... As a favor to Michael Shannon and Michael B. Jordan, read the book instead of watching their film. The film. <laughs> because it, it, it just completely missed the Just think the about mark. how many like eighth graders, though, are going to go watch that movie. And, and fail and their show test. show up and just yeah, fail their yeah. tests. And their right. teachers are just going to be like grinding their teeth angry at them. Now, I would love it if that was actually the plan all along. Like they made this shitty movie to just trick to, kids to, uh, to fuck uh, up. fail their tests. Well, <laughs> we know, know who didn't read yeah, the book. Yeah, we know who didn't read the book. Yeah. <laughs> we know whose parents have HBO. Yeah, and uh, because um, uh, Clarice and Montag never kissed because in the book she was a child. So. <laughs> wow. Um. Anyway, uh, so it, it's it was a mess, and uh, the if you want to be entertained though, go to the IMDb um, uh, website and look up Fahrenheit 451 and read the user reviews. They're hilarious. My favorite one was they should burn this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, 
Uh, those are our films. Let's get to the Patreon sponsors, Graham. Well, I want to talk real quick about, yes. I saw that uh, series, oh, yes, Basketball forgot. or mm-hmm. Nothing, um, yes. which Go is a, uh, like a five or six part doc series on Netflix about a high school basketball team on a reserve, an Indian reservation in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic because I obviously, I love docs. I love sports docs and the Netflix documentary series are so good. They do such an amazing job. I don't care if it's the keepers, if it's whatever it is, they do these five to seven part series that are just fantastic. And this follows this high school basketball team. They get a new coach. Um, and so I just love a good sports doc, you know, like you want, you're rooting for the kids, but it like any good sports doc, it shows what they're going through off the court. Yeah. And it goes into like that doc series from the nineties, um, was it Basketball Diaries or the one? Uh, I forget. Hoop now. Dreams? Hoop Dreams, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, where mm-hmm. you see like all the stuff going on. And I, I really loved Hoop Dreams because it took place in Chicago and you saw like the way that private schools were jockeying and trying to get a scholarship and all this thing and this th- dad coming back into the scene and all this. So there's some of that and they, they explain. And still being an alcoholic. I yeah, remember that. That was, mm-hmm. that, was, that was a difficult thing. So mm-hmm. I liked it too because going back to the FNX series, I learned a lot about uh, about native culture and life on the reservation. And this really does a good job of that. And it talks about- they're It's in, a Navajo Nation, right? Yeah, it's a Navajo yeah. Nation. And they're in this teeny town in the middle of nowhere. So there's several things. There's a drug problem. There's not a lot of jobs. So the high school basketball, that is it. And they play in this huge stadium. So like the whole, not just the whole town, but it feels like the whole reservation comes out for these games. So these are high school kids playing in front of like 8,000 people. It's a pretty amazing environment. And, you know, there's a new coach who's, who's I think half native and, and, and half Latino. And he's like one of the more winningest coaches in, in uh, Arizona high school basketball. Mm. And so that I didn't know this. He's like, they, uh, he goes, I don't want to play res ball. And everyone's like, so they explain. What's res ball? It's like, it's, it's funny because it's so similar. It's like street ball in, in the hood, like run and gun, no defense, mm-hmm. not fundamental basketball. And he's like, we're not playing res ball because I want to win state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he, he's implementing and these, and they profile, you know, not the whole team, but they, you know, they pick about five or six kids and you kind of see their background and one kid's dad, you know, split one, one, you know, like who are the kids that have a shot? And they're very, you know, and, and the principal of the school is this young guy that's really trying to get these kids to see that there's life outside of the reservation. Cause he goes, it's tough because it's like, there's the drug it's right there, you know? And, um, and so it, it's really cool. And, you know, again, Small town sports, you know, they got to drive four hours to play the team. You know, like mm-hmm. it's not like when you play in a big city. I mean, like when well, I put- people have no idea how big the Navajo reservation. Oh, it's is. massive! It covers the four corners area of the United States, which is Arizona, um, Colorado, Nevada, and New Mexico. It covers that entire area, and it is bigger than almost all of the original. The Navajo Nation, the reservation of the Navajo Nation, is bigger than almost all of the original thirteen colonies. Each is bigger than mm-hmm. several of them put together. And um, they have like 22 cops on that reservation. Oh, yeah. To cover an area the size of like West Virginia. It's, it's insane. 
And yeah, so it's just rife with with drugs and crime. I, because who's gonna stop me? I mean, like cattle wrestling is a crime out oh, there, yeah. which is just like it's. So there's not a lot. Like I remember, like Shoshonia Livingston, who we've had on this show, um, who was a yeah, comic on, on 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 the FNX show, and you know, I just remember talking to her because she grew up on the Navajo reservation. She's like, Graham, man, it was hard, and the crime, and the you know, there's the violence and all this stuff, and and. You know, it's when I talked about the movie Wind River, that was where I learned about, um, well, two things. One, the fact that there'd be like five cops for some 10,000 square mile area and and the murdered and missing indigenous women and all that. So it really, and then it shows the thing that I love about a good sports doc about how sports when done correctly can really help give kids discipline, give, you know, give them a goal, Work teamwork, something to live for, something, something to, to look forward to. Yep. I mean, which is really important. And it's, I mean, any small town. You look at mm-hmm. West Texas right now. Yeah, you know, like my my uncle lives in one of these towns that's dying. Right. And I went there to visit and to introduce my kids. Like, just turned seven, and I took her out there because she'd never been to Texas and hadn't met anybody on that side of the family. And I took her out there, and I was looking around, and I was just like, oh my god, this place is like a tenth the size yep. it was when I graduated from high school. And it probably won't be here in 10 years. And it's the same thing with all the kids there, with all the same problems with youth crime and youth drugs and the opioid crisis hitting people under the age of 20. Um, it's happening there. This is the Indian nations are the precursor for all these other ills that go everywhere else. Oh, and they hit every community, white communities. Yeah. If, there's, if, there, if jobs have been decimated. They just hit us first, that's all. Yep, yeah. <laughs> if jobs have been decimated and all this other stuff. And so... You then see, and then you see these, there's just these beautiful, you know, they like start to advance. You know, I won't spoil it, but so they're going to play some big tournament game. The whole town comes out to greet them and wish them well, go win. I mean, it's like watching Hoosiers. You know, the movie Hoosiers where like mm-hmm. the whole town follows the bus through. It's like, it's like that. It's small town sports. And I remember... You know, these kids, you're 15, 16 years old, and so the young kids look up to you. I remember playing high school sports, and it was like, I remember, um, you know, playing in the Chicago area and like 10, 12-year-old kids and like that, like, hey, man, kids look up to you, so you gotta, you're not, you can't just be an idiot. You know, you, you have to be responsible. And I remember those coaches like instilling that in us and you're representing your school and your community and how important that is. And this is really drilled in here because of battling all of the negative stuff that's happening. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, it's really profound and it's a really well done doc series. And it, it, you don't have to be a sports fan. You don't have to be Native American to dig this. It's just a really, it, it does what any good doc series does. Shows you a world you weren't aware of mm-hmm. and shows the human connection to this. And yeah, it's fantastic. Now, like like Hoosiers, does it also have a 1980s cheap like Casio synthesizer score? The 1950s basketball. Or did you just play it while you were watching? I did play. I always. Well, anytime I watch a basketball doc, I just play my Casio. Yeah, that's how I do it. So, all right. So we got some Patreon sponsors. Yes. A couple people had a few edits, so we we're always happy to change those. And thank you guys. You know, like we said, Patreon. You can uh, donate and support the show 
November will be the last month to do it. You'll be charged December 1st, and December will be the last month we'll be giving out you know, bonus content and rewards and stuff like that. And we really appreciate you sticking with us because – uh, you know, there's closing down costs for the business and all that other stuff. So it's a lot yeah, of people not shooting a lot of corpses to bury. Yeah, yeah. we've got a lot of uh, let's just say debts to, to settle. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> and then Chris and I do have uh, various safe houses around the world that we will still use for our escape plan. Yes, that's uh, we go, go that, to Russia tomorrow. Is what you yeah, said. We are I am started. going to yeah. Russia tomorrow. We already put Don't that. Don't worry in, about it. We already Snowden, put that in motion on Snowden year one. Alert. So now it's time. <laughs> Snowden alert. <laughs> Uh, Johnny Ruland's promoting his novel titled Green Cheek, A Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's available on Amazon, both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel, which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. The website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com, happyhorrorshowproductions.com. Fanboy Planet, a website and podcast for all things geeky and amazing. Check out Fanboy Planet for your comic news, your movie news, TV news, and amazing interviews with industry insiders and artists. Check out fanboyplanet.com, fanboyplanet.com. And Coffee Over Suicide, a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. New episodes every Wednesday and Friday, wherever podcasts are found. Find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com, coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier, co-host of the Bugle Podcast and host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. The shows were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. AliceFrazier.com with an S. AliceFrazier.com. The Art Podcast with Rebecca Evans. New episode recorded at San Diego Comic-Con with the artist Eric Joyner, known for painting robots and donuts together. I'd actually like to see his artwork. Oh, I like and that. The, uh, the, I like those two things. <laughs> yeah. Theartpodcasts.com with an S. <clears throat> and Tony McFadden's 14th book is a gritty Australian noir. The murder of Jeremy Brooks pits small-town Australian P.I. Oh, excuse me. <coughs> Small-town Australian P.I. Dan McGinnis against corporate greed and corruption. A Sydney surgeon hires Dan to find her husband's killer. The cops think it was a mugging gone bad. She thinks it was a hit. More info at TonyMcFadden.net slash JB. All right. Got some trailers, Graham. We do have some trailers, Chris. Uh, Let's watch. Now, uh, this first one is called Midway. I wonder what it's about. And it's directed by Roland Emmerich, so it'll probably be very historically accurate. This one, first one? Yeah, this one. Here we go. Is that a Jonas Brother in the... Uh... Let's hope. <laughs> this ad is going to stop any second now as soon as it lets me click on the skip ad thing. So mm-hmm. we don't want a... It says video will play after ads. Oh, oh wow. Wow. Ones you got to watch Jesus, all the way through. come on. How we'll dare they? Leave us alone. Where's this kid? Boats. America. The, um, you know, the CG aircraft carrier didn't even look uh, accurate. <laughs> I figured it was just the usual jitters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take him under my wing. More cliche dialogue. Come on. He was wanting to be scared. So I feel like he's getting his cake and eating it. 
two here. Oh, it's based this, on real this, events, Midway? <laughs> did, did we need that? He, he does the full Pearl Harbor American thing, history. then he does the Battle of Midway as right. well. Right. In the same movie. Yeah. Unlike well, Michael Bay, who spent three hours just on, a, on a, an attack that took less than make it 20 right. minutes or whatever. <laughs> Blackhawk down. Please, no. Some of the boys still want to fight. Oh, right. But there's a shot here that the Japanese is stolen playing something straight bigger. from Pearl Harbor. So what's the target? And I have the same problem with it's it that I had when I saw it in Pearl Washington Harbor. disagrees. See if you can spot it. If we lose, here it comes. The Japanese on the West Coast. Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Oh, burn. I feel like this will be about as uh, historically accurate as Inglorious Bastards. Throw a punch. I don't know. I know what it feels like to be hit. I like Woody Harrelson with a nice gray wig. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about a couple dozen planes. Oh, this is it. This is it. I would have loved the note. Like, did we really need that? Was a Jonas brother? Story? Yeah, it was a Jonas brother. Yeah. He looked really you know what? You serious. You probably too. do need it at this point. Hate these men. The Jonas brother? No, uh, <laughs> probably that too. But I was thinking. <laughs> That you came through. This shot. That's the shot. With that's, the bomb falling. With the bomb falling right into the deck of an aircraft carrier that's straight out of Pearl Harbor. And I have a problem with it here, just like I had a problem with it there, which is it invites you to be the enemy as you kill hundreds of American mm -hmm. sailors. Just in case you were wondering how the movie turns out, we're going to show you right there that last shot of the trailer. Don't worry, don't worry. This is not one of those ones where wow. America just gets its ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> Intriguing, huh? Yeah, it looks like a um, a great effects reel. And it's also like November, a November release date. This is a very... I mean, d does Roland Emmerich think he's going to get some Oscar out of this? Oh, who like, knows it, it what goes like in the mind of Roland Emmerich. It it to Veterans Day? Yeah, Maybe. I don't, I don't know. It said coming on Veterans Day. So, oh. I mean, I guess that's why November... But okay. yeah, but it doesn't seem like. Well, I mean, like you were saying earlier, they spread the action movies around the calendar now, and they spread, you know, right. the, the Academy mm -hmm. Award films around the calendar. So maybe this is just counter programming, where he's thinking to himself, yeah. "Oh, everyone's going to be seeing Ad Astra. I better stick my World War II blow up movie Boy. in there." Or maybe it's like, look, while they're around this time, they're going to start dropping all the big heady dramas that get so. That's you what I'm saying counter program it with yeah. a big yeah. shoot 'em up. Big shoot 'em up, and you know what? I I'll get. Mike, I hope Michael Bay gets pissy. Like, well, it was no Pearl Harbor. Like, <laughs> good. I hope it's no Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was almost three hours long. And it was boring as hell. Yeah, it was. Horrible. It was awful. Horrible. This one, at least, the the drama that they're talking about is like he's like, oh, as a guy who leads men, like I'm kind of paralyzed and I don't feel like my men. I'm getting along with them or whatever. Like he's got like mission oriented drama. Whereas Pearl Harbor's like, I don't know, I'm kind of in love with that girl. Oh, look, bombs are falling. Yeah, still in love with that girl. Three-way love triangle with that guy over there. And I'm just like, shut up and get to the Japanese killing everyone. Can we just get to that, the do the interesting part? I will say this about that trailer that does look kind of intriguing to me is I wasn't, and again, this might be not historically accurate, but like how you know Midway was the last bastion after Pearl Harbor and... Um, it was a turning point battle. It was a turning point battle, and I didn't was did Washington go? Oh, don't worry about Midway. And there was just this; these guys had to fight them all. Like if that's even close to true, oh, that sounds intriguing to well, me. Well, you know what we can do is we can watch the old 1976 film yeah. Midway 
and which had actual footage back to back. Yeah. And then, then yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like B roll that they, mm-hmm. they were just like action nose camera nose mm-hmm. come. All right. This is a really intriguing trailer, like a boss, because I was wondering what was so off about it, and then I figured it out after it was over. So I'll see if you guys pick up on the same thing. Okay. Oh, Barcelona? We did promise we'd go. Skip. Yes, good job. way better than real sex. Because they come when you want them to. Girl, that is so true. When I'm done, they done. Hello. Ever think about all the stuff we've done and wonder how we did not die? It's a cultural thing. We are two badass queens like those bitches who raised Wonder Woman. We've worked our asses off. We've opened up our own store. We're winning. We're $493,000 in debt. What the? Walk into the room. Now play to Mia Carter. I'm Clara Luna. I am going to invest $1.7 million on you. We would love a million dollars. But in my experience, business and friendship don't always mix. You don't have to worry your pretty little head. My head is not little. It's just that my breasts are humongous. <laughs> if you want to be a businesswoman, you're going to have to act like a boss. You have to fire him. What? Don't hate me. Hate Mel. It was her idea. What? What is it? What's your idea? Hey, hey, witness my tragic moment. Luna is introducing a new product at her launch party. She just wants to steal our ideas. We gonna break this bitch's back. Oh! Yours are made of stone! Baby, I own you. Y'all don't get Claire Luna down here right now. I'm gonna jump. She's crazy. She will jump. Oh, oh, I'm so Come glad on. I be planking. I'm sorry, white lady, if I die on you today. You gonna give us our company back. Drop it. Drop it. Shake it, pop it. Drop it, drop it, shake it. Going down for real. I punched that bitch in the face. I would marry you if I was in the coochie. Ghost peppers, they are very spicy. Just a little sliver goes a long way. Your peppers are really hot. Burn so bad it hurts. Take some bread. It'll soak it all up. Oh, that's a lot of carbs. Here you go, honey. It's goat's milk, so to coat the throat. It's going down for real. Um, okay. I'm not saying what's wrong with it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously, it looks yeah. like a movie that my wife would love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching it, and maybe it's the way the trailer was shot, but it, I really felt like it was okay. Maybe this is a funny movie, but you're picking the most uncreative and like even the jokes. Like, okay, well, I've seen that in a hundred other movies. I've seen that in a hundred other movies, and I've seen that in a hundred other movies. Like, why not take an interesting premise like it was, like them setting up like a, a business, they're in a ton of debt, and then Salma Hayek coming in as the is is the villain and do something different with it or do some or at least make jokes that aren't about spicy food or like something that is a little more related to what they're actually doing. Well, I thought it was there was no animal mayhem. I thought that was that I thought it was uh, one of those comedies that got noted it looks like it got noted to death from a studio, whereas like, no, you need a bigger laugh there, you need a bigger joke there, no more character moments. You need just big dumb jokes here, here, here. Here's what I'm wondering, though. And again, we talk about how comedy trailers are usually the most egregious violators of what the movie actually is. Mm -hmm. Does that movie have a lot of cool character moments and you see their friendship on... And then there happens and then sprinkled in are these big funny set pieces. Mm -hmm. Watch the Bridesmaid trailer sometime. 
it does exactly what Graham is talking about. Right. And you think, oh, this movie's going to be terrible. Yeah. Yes. And then you go see it, and it's the exact opposite. Yeah, so that's what and, I'm wondering about this movie. And I really like Rose movie. Byrne, and I, I really like, like Tiffany, Tiffany Yeah, I like them both, too, for sure. So, and, you know, I could watch, um, what's her name? Mower Lawn. Simon Hayek, Mower Lawn. Like, yeah. so, I to see that. So I'm hoping that that's the case. Or yeah. it wasn't like a like you know like one of those office party type comedies where it's like it was just made by committee where it was a just broad comedy that just goes. I, th- I think this actually will be. F- I, I, my, okay, my gut good. is telling me this is going to be funny, All and right, they just good. cut the trailer because they they go well. Look, comedy trailers have to be like this. Right. Oh yeah, they have mm-hmm. to be. They, yeah, like a horror Every trailer has to, has, has to be has like, to look like joke Paul joke Blart. joke joke joke. Yeah, and like you're saying, knife 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 knife. Yeah, yeah. the horror mm-hmm. trailer has to have the knife 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 and the person mm-hmm. looking into the mirror and there's a creep behind them. Creep. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like this is. And they hit every story beat that had to be at the first hour of the film. Yeah, oh, for sure. yeah. They told us way too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's. Selma Hayek comes in yeah. and hold it's a little like, back. I mean, I was mm-hmm. already yeah. there yeah. with them, and then they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, and here's this twist, and here's that turn, and here's right. this twist." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, okay, but now there's no surprise." All you have to do here's how you cut that trailer. Oh, we're four hundred and some grand in debt. Selma Hayek comes in, and then you cut to, "Can we trust her or not? I don't yeah. know." Mm-hmm. Quick joke out. Yeah, yeah. I just cut your trailer down. Let me let me wonder. Let me mm-hmm. wonder. Yeah, yeah. Give me another reason to see the movie because I want to see what happens. Yeah. Not, not I want to see what happens in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so all so right. Who, do you know anything about who wrote it or directed it? No, but mm-hmm. I bet you your phone does. What's the name of it? Like, like a, a Boss. boss. All right. I'll look that up while so. you continue to talk about whatever so um all right in the uh special section is the we are closing out the store like we said we appreciate you guys buying stuff i will say this we do have a bunch of stuff left so whenever you buy something you will get a free gift yeah it might be a book a dvd a cd um and also you still have time to get in on the loot crate tier on the patreon because if you um do it for october november you can do it anytime from october or november because it just has to be two months and we will send you a uh, crate for 50 bucks that will have one to two hundred dollars worth of stuff in it more than worth it yep so and you know you've got an out because we're shutting it off in uh, uh after december anyway so yeah so you don't even have to worry about going back in and like oh i don't want to do this anymore i already got my loot crate it'll be done for you <laughs> it'll be done for you and uh these are all be collecting a comedy film nerd merch will be collector's items podfest yes. merch is already a collector's mm-hmm. item yeah. so <laughs> there is it. some podfest stuff uh left uh, yep. i just sent out a, a 5x podfest shirt to oh, australia well mm-hmm. now um and uh and dvd only one we talked about it earlier is mm-hmm. uh dark phoenix yeah. from fox slash disney now <laughs> yeah, so I, I, um, I wonder did they just buy it did they just buy fox so they could get the fantastic four yes and the x-men back yes i'm sure that they was shut a down, large factor they already in shut decision. down the, the like independent movie division of fox mm-hmm. and what I mean, I guess they probably need a brand because you know Disney does not have a division that makes R-rated movies, right. so they'll probably not keep, anymore. Probably yeah, because they got rid of Touchstone, but they'll probably keep like 20th Century Fox going just to be that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like I don't see what the that had to be part of it for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's part of it. Of but it, yeah. I also think too. Look, they know their bread and butter is the big blockbuster mm-hmm. superhero things, and why now you can make Fantastic Four. Now you can go into that whole world. And the other thing too is, as they're wrapping up Phase Four in the Marvel Universe, like where are we going to go? Well, what if we? I mean, if we had the X Men, we could go in all sorts of different new directions. Yes, for us. and the Fantastic Four because yeah. they announced that the Fantastic Four is going to be part of Phase Four. Yes, yeah. it's the tail end of it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's a an amazing 
set of characters that has never been done even remotely correctly. Yes, <laughs> the, the, the first two movies, the Tim Story movies, they, I feel like they got the sort of relationship with like the squabbling teenagers and the like put upon dad. But don't cast Ian Griffith. The guy's like 22 years old. And he's like, I'm the stern father figure <laughs> here. I'm it Reed Richards. And I was just like, ah, that's not. And don't, Jessica don't Alba the... as the mom. No, make them 40 and make the other two like the dumb knuckleheads who can't get along with so each other. You, oh, you didn't like but Baby 4? <laughs> what, what I would do. For and then this, this all, for I got to say this real quick. Marvel. It, brings, it also opens up <clears throat> The Silver Surfer, which is which, like that, that could be its own yeah. standalone film. And it probably will be. I mean, what, it wouldn't surprise me if that ended up like as a streaming show on Disney Plus, right. like a Silver Surfer. Uh, Once you just go from planet to planet, like yeah. green Galactus <laughs> with him. It's like your culture is interesting. Here's my boss to kill you. <laughs> um, I'm a hero. I, I just would just open it up and just be like, oh yeah, they're already. I would I would plant sil- Fantastic Four stuff all through the next couple of Disney films mm-hmm. and just have them in the background on TVs and stuff. And like, oh, the Fantastic Four did this thing today. Mm-hmm. And and then when you get to the Fantastic Four movie, just it's already happened. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see the third or fourth origin right. story of the right. Fantastic mm-hmm. Four. Just like Spider-Man Homecoming was like, yeah, we you know how he became Spider-Man. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no sequence where Tom Holland is bit by a spider and mm-hmm. we have to watch that all again. And he goes and he fights, you know, Crusher Hogan. And like, we don't need to see all that stuff. We know what happened is if he fucked around and his uncle got shot and just get to the good stuff. And I hope that's what they do with the Fantastic Four. And just when people are like, what happened? You know, well, the thing has a 20 second nightmare of piloting the thing. And it's like, right. marp, 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 marp. And he's like oh God. Space then, radiation yeah, crash. We're I done. woke up a, yeah, yeah. a, a monster. <laughs> you don't it. need to see anything else. Yeah. I, I hope that they do it right. And you know, actually I have a lot of faith in the, in the Marvel creative team that they will do it right. Yeah, for and sure. I think they're chomping at the bit because this opens... You, you mentioned the Silver Surfer, but for, for me, this and X-Men both open like thing, the, just science fiction in general, the Shi'ar Galaxy, mm-hmm. Skrull versus, you know, well, they've already done the Skrulls and the, and the, and the Kree, but it really kind of gets there's really more to, deep into it. Yeah, there's more to explore. Um, all right, so premiering this week, it, a very interesting trio of films. Now we're getting into some actual counter-programming, Downton Abbey. Which this is, movie trailer is for Downton Abbey fans. It, yes. You don't, if, if you don't know much about Downton Abbey, they don't care. Yeah, they right. don't want you yeah. watching it. The, the, the tag for the movie is the Downton movie we've all been waiting for. Oh, I'm sure the producers have been waiting for it. Like, <laughs> And I'm sure that those of us who liked the show have been waiting for it. But like you say, I don't think Graham's been waiting this for is, it. No, like, this I saw the this trailer and went, wow. This is the Entourage movie. It is, it is, yeah. it is. It exactly. is. And yet, and yet yeah. a jillion times more people have watched Downton Abbey than ever watched yes. Entourage. But that's, this movie is going to slay. And if I was Rambo or Ad Astra, I'd be like, oh my God, we are going to get wiped out. <laughs> because every guy who's going to be like, oh, I want to go see Ad Astra, their wife is going to be like, no, we're going to go see Downton Abbey, and that's going to be the end of that. Well, Downton Abbey's I'm probably going to do so well, it's also going to So kill. I'm going to see Ad Astra yeah. and Rambo. <laughs> Back to back. What I want to see, I want to see, I want to see Rambo and Downton Abbey back there. Because yeah. well. it's like, I'm tired of all these foreigners coming here to England. I'm going to kill them all. <laughs> doom, 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 doom. Just the M80s going Well, on. I mean, there's going to be a lot of um, screens available after the Goldfinch leaves tomorrow. So, <laughs> so. I, told, I told you, I went to the tomorrow? theater yesterday. You think Goldfinch left tomorrow? Yeah. No, no, yeah, it's, it's gone. I went to the gone. theater yesterday and I flipped a coin. Which one of these movies am I going to see? Mm-hmm. And... The Goldfinch was only showing one time that day. 
Oh that theater God. had already been like, no, abandoned. We're shit. done. Yeah. yeah, and because the can first, we get, can we get a Deadpool two in here? Right. Or something? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that they they were just like, oh, let's put some more, um, you know, uh, Angel has Fallen's on screen mm-hmm. here. Or something. Well, this is when I wish they were a little more. <clears throat> adaptable for this type of environment of like right. so hustlers go, i'm sure they probably replaced every right. screening of that movie well, with but hustlers. but like goldfinch dies then give blinded by the light a wider it's a really fantastic movie like it's a really heartfelt beautiful like put that out there give the farewell a bigger like mm-hmm. i was trying to go see official secrets it was too it was on like two screen it was on a screen like in down in torrents it was like 20 mm-hmm. miles away from me like give that a wider berth. Like Saturday night when you're like, oh, Goldfinch is done. Wipe it. And Monday morning, put some movies in there that people would want to go watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and just deal just with the... Expand um, whatever's playing. And deal yeah. with the four up, upset 80-year-olds that'll show up looking <laughs> for it. That's it. <laughs> um, and it was, so we also have Rambo Last Blood. I remember when, when we watched so that trailer. Uh, I was like, well, this... I, th- I thought it was a parody. Like, well, this isn't real. I'm like, oh, no, it's real. I'm in. It's, it's, yeah, it's made. I know. So, you know I'm going to watch this. You know and you know what I love about it, too? It's like, it's like, well, we got to go back to Afghanistan. No, it's literally a Taken movie. That's all it is. Yes. It's, it's just, it's Rambo in his Taken movie. Well, let's be specific. It's Mexican cartel Taken movie. Yeah. <laughs> right, with a little bit of Firefox in there, because right. he's the old guy on the mm-hmm. ranch, and he's cashed it in, and it's time to come back mm-hmm. into the game. And, Wait, and Firefox? Yeah, that was the Clint Eastwood. Where he goes to Russia and steals their steals plane. Steals the plane, yeah. yeah. Because he can think in Russian. Mm-hmm. You must think in Russian. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a good movie. It's I, a watched, good, I watched yeah. it about two years ago, and mm-hmm. I was like, this whole time. I know. Yeah. It's like a tight I like little the, I like, Cold the, War uh, thriller. I love the end, too, where it's like, oh, we're st- st- stealing this experimental plane. Oh, wait, there's another one chasing yes, me? Yes, of you, course. You made two? Another one <laughs> ready made to go. <laughs> so great. It's um, like uh, Blue Thunder. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, Which evidently they're remaking, but with no political content. Uh, also, perfect. they're remaking well, that's they, how, that's they what, Live with no political content. That's what so. they did with Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. So. You've got to nullify. <laughs> this is the thing. These corporations now, they don't want anybody getting upset yeah. on either side of the political aisle, so they just go, well, let's just take all the politics out. So they live without political content, is it? Hey, then let indie filmmakers make these movies. Yeah. Well, no, they yeah. make four and Fahrenheit 451 because, like, we can't have the masses thinking they should rise up against us. <laughs> so, uh, Rambo, Last Blood, and then Ad Astra. This is a, an intriguing movie. I really feel like this is like they're, they're just trying to tap into, um, like, a Christopher Nolan type of uh, yeah. interstellar type of vibe for sure oh is it going to be super boring (laughs) it does look like it's going to be a um hour and 45 minute movie that's stretched to two and a half hours (laughs) it really it has that feeling you know what it is it's um heart of darkness uh you mentioned it earlier the apocalypse now it's apocalypse now in space yeah although it's like my dad's gone off the reservation i've got to hunt him down but there's there's this subplot of like experimental uh, um, alien contact, experimental uh, materials. Like, like, so it's setting up a lot of these mysteries. And I, and this is one where I hope it actually pays off because it looks interesting. Like, I'm hoping this movie's good. It, so. got, collect a bill. it got astounding reviews when it, it when it, one of the... Tor- Toronto or something it, like It was yeah. either Toronto or it was Venice. And mm. it, everyone just walked away going, oh my God, oh my God. Oh, great. Good. I hope I'm in. Good. Yeah. I'm in. I don't know if it'll All be right. playing in Moscow, but I will <laughs> see it. Well, you know, the great thing about Moscow is that it's going to be playing there, maybe not legally, but it'll be playing there. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that is our show. Ladies and gentlemen, Micah, where can people find you on the internet? Um, and well, what do you got um, coming up? 
Well, right now I I, I don't really have a lot coming up. I'm mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm writing. Uh, like for the last you know two and a half years, I was out of circulation as a writer and a director, and I was just you know being an executive producer of PBS content. And so I'm writing again, and I have a new pilot that's uh, making the rounds in town. And my uh, writing partner and I are working on a new feature about the 1970s stunt spectacular kind of evil can evil universe. Oh, cool. Is that Jay Lender? Yes, Jay mm-hmm. Lender. And uh, so we're 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 two thirds of the way through that, and um, it just keeps getting more and more and more ludicrous. Um, and uh, because it's just a ludicrous time and place, and the more research we do, we're just like, what? And we've been meeting all these people who were around and who were participating in it back then, and every single one of them is a bigger and bigger weirdo. <laughs> nice. And so we don't want to miss out on that flavor. And so mm-hmm. it, it's at some point I'm, I'm worried that we're going to finish the film, and then people will go, well, this is just, this is, none of this happened. Mm-hmm. And every single little bit of it happened. Wow. So yeah, we're looking at that. That one's uh, mm-hmm. that one's that one's going to be fun. And other mm-hmm. than that, um, you know, I'm just uh, I'm just back at work as a writer and a director again. So I don't really have anything exciting coming up. And you can always follow my stuff on micawright.com. Cool. And watch First Nations Comedy Experience, the yeah. show that Mike and I uh, made uh, on Amazon Prime. Really cool thing. Very proud of it. Um, it's cool, and also I will be at Stand Up Club Number One in Moscow this uh, Friday, the twenty. There's only one club in Moscow. Number best, one, <laughs> best stand up comedy club in Moscow is only stand up comedy club in Moscow. <laughs> and then I will be uh, performing in uh, Saint Petersburg on the twenty eighth. Uh, so check that out, and of course, doing the Progressive Comedy Tour uh, down under in November. We're going to Melbourne. Uh, Adelaide, Sydney, and Perth. All those tour dates are at GrahamElwood.com. So, and we, so next week will be a banked episode. Yep. Uh, but you will get a new episode next it's week. It's coming hot and fresh, mm-hmm. kids, ready to yeah. drop. And uh, I just did the Adam Ferrara podcast. So that dropped. Uh, so you can listen to me there be interviewed about writing and also the new comic. And it uh, looks like I'm going to be at the LA Comic Con down in. Uh, uh, downtown at the convention center, I think it is. Oh, nice. right. Yeah, and I'll be no, doing the the the, uh, the comics on comics panel and doing a signing for Starburns for Long Ago and Far Away, and that will be next month. I'll have dates and times soon. And of course, December twelfth, six hundredth and final episode of the Comedy Film Nerds podcast. After ten years, we will be shutting it down. It is a live show. It's a Dynasty typewriter. Uh, so go to dynastytypewriter.com or grahamelwood.com and get tickets because it will sell out. And uh, we're going to big party afterwards. Yeah, it'll be really fun. So we'll, we want to hang out with you guys afterwards. And, yeah. uh, and if you buy a ticket, we will have a uh, free earbuds DVD for you. And evidently it's BYOF. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bring your own flask. Yeah. Bring your own flask. <laughs> Do it. That's our episode. Thanks again, Micah Wright, for being on the show. It's a pleasure. Um, Aaron Brungard, thank you so much for working the ones and twos at the All Things Comedy. I, I just have one more thing. Um, I watched Carnival Row for the last two nights in a row. Oh my God, is that show amazing? Really? You're a movie podcast, but I just wanted to jam that in there. That's an Amazon Prime show that I thought, this looks so dumb. I'm going to hate every second of it. I'm going to watch it just so I can see what people are making. And like six hours later, I was like, oh my God, this is astounding. All right. Cannot wait mm-hmm. to see if they stick to landing. I'm going to watch the last two episodes tonight. All right, check that out. My Carnival name is Graham Row. Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot first. first.